Welcome to the podcast for St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School Sherman Center that's in Random Lake, Wisconsin, north of Milwaukee and south of Sheboygan. We're pleased to share with you recent sermons and Bible classes from our congregation. We welcome you to join us for Divine Service Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have Bible classes currently offered at 8.15 a.m. on Sunday. Join us to receive the Lord's Word and His gifts. Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Uh, I see Chris says, love the song. That was a work from... I know Ben Colley wrote the music, who's a musician I went to undergraduate with, but is down at uh, Whitefish Bay in near Milwaukee. Um, and it's going to come out on from CPH here uh, this spring. That was the recording I did for them. Uh, it's in process, so you get to hear, hear an early version of it. Okay, uh, early take. Let's see. Uh, today, Wednesday, uh, we take a break from our daily readings from John, and we're going to uh, consider again prayer, this time uh, the prayer of Abraham on behalf of Sodom. And uh, I think there's a lot we can learn from that prayer uh, and relating it to our contemporary situation. Okay, <laughs> but more on that in a minute. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse, say it with me. Here, I'll scroll up so you can see it. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 24, verse 4. I pray our psalm, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. All right. As I said, uh, We've been doing this on our Wednesdays here. This is now the uh, we did Ash Wednesday, and then last week Wednesday, this week Wednesday, and we're looking at prayer in the morning on uh, for midweek reading. Of course, we're talking about lament um, at our evening service tonight at seven p.m. Join us for a meal at six o'clock ish, um, or whenever you can get there, and service beginning at seven. Um, and this prayer of of Abraham. It actually is a, a form of lament as well, all right? So we'll see both lament and prayer put together here. 
Then the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide Abraham from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what has been spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will now go down, or I go down now, and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city, would you destroy the place and not spare it for the right fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of the earth, of all the earth, do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than fifty righteous. Would you destroy all the city for a lack of five? And so he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. And so he said, I will not do it for the sake of forty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Indeed now, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of twenty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. All right. Uh, of course, you know this text quite well. Um, you know what happens to Sodom and Gomorrah, these um, described as wicked cities. But you'll notice that the Lord relents of the disaster that he would bring upon them um, for the sake of his little ten righteous people. I think this is really important for us to remember um, now, especially as uh, we learn of the exceeding wickedness of um, foreign nations, whether it be uh, Russia, the wickedness of Ukraine, um, but I, I would hesitate to exclude the wickedness of um, the United States of America, um, of our alliances, the United Nations. Um, it always seems striking to me <laughs> that we would be so quick to accuse others of war crimes, even righteously, even even correctly, and yet we never repent of those which we have committed. Right? It's almost as if the only people who can judge are those who win. <laughs> if you win the war, then you are given the, being given the privilege of judgment. Um, I was listening to a commentary um, between someone who's vehemently anti-war, someone who has served actively in warfare, or two people that have served actively in warfare, one uh, as a commander of a large force uh, in Ramadi in uh, Iraq. And talking about how in war, um, it is impossible for there not to be atrocities committed. This is why we hesitate to go into war. 
um, and only in great reluctance do we do so. Um, and I think that includes even someone like uh, Mr. Putin, right? Um, he's been warning for eight years what's been going on in Ukraine, um, and many refuse to listen. Uh, Ukraine has been warning uh, what Putin intended to do for, for many years, and the Western nations have refused to listen as well, right? Um, so there's been warning. But again, uh, the, the the issue here is not so much um, whether warfare is right or just or whether it, um, it, whether there's innocent parties. The fact of the matter is there never is, right? Not just um, in a civil sense, you know, people breaking civil law and, and um, Geneva Convention and other kinds of regulation on warfare, which is which always seems kind of silly to me. There's laws governing warfare. <laughs> One of the first rules of, of warfare is that you don't follow the rules, <laughs> you know. But regardless, um, that um, these sorts of laws are being broken. But even more so, it's it's unrighteousness um, before God, right? And that anyone can engage even in defense in defense of their own nation without transgressing the Lord's command in the midst of also um, defending their neighbor in love, you see. Um, so this idea of moral superiority uh, is not here, right? It's not from, and it's not even really from Abraham. Abraham doesn't claim to be righteous in himself, um, but he's speaking of those who are faithful to God's word, right? And he pleads the Lord, um, spare the cities, spare Sodom, even for the sake of as little as 10 who are faithful to God in that city. Isn't that beautiful? Right? And that the Lord would relent of the disaster for the sake of 10, for the sake of 10. All right. It reminds me of um, Noah and the flood, right? The whole world was exceedingly evil. Um, God destroyed the world, but he spared Noah and his family eight souls and all, right? So he provided deliverance for them. So I think this is a part of our prayer um, these in these days is that the Lord repent us, that he um, cause us not only to accuse our enemies of their sins, but especially that he help bring our own sins uh, to remembrance, that he show us what we have done um, in the name of um, democracy or whatever as a nation, um, that we continue to bomb innocent civilians in Yemen, for example. Um, 200 some thousand have died in the, in recent years in Yemen at our hand. And yet we don't seem all that repentant for that, um, whether that was just or unjust. We don't even ask the question. We don't even know it's happening, right? It's being done under the cover of darkness. All right. Um, so that's the first point. The second point is also um, to note um, that the that the prayer of of the faithful avails much, and I think this is key. Uh, we usually think of righteousness as in terms of right doing, but righteousness in terms of the scriptures, especially New Testament. Uh, but reading that into the Old Testament, reading Jesus into the Old Testament, righteousness is faith in Jesus. That's what it means to be righteous is to have faith in Jesus. Okay, for mercy, grace. Uh, peace in times of need, uh, especially for forgiveness. All right. Um, I wanted to share with you what Luther has to say about this uh, from his Genesis lectures, which you know, I've told you before, um, are mo monumental. It's one of the last, well, it is really the last um, massive text that he published. It was eight volumes. It was his lectures for the last 10 years or so of his life to his students. Um, so it's very mature Luther facing his own sickness, his own um, weakness, and um, really, the rebellion of the German nations, of the German um, territories, um, not only against the Roman emperor, but then also against uh, <laughs> their own citizens and against one another. He'd seen quite a bit of this warfare. 
And so I think Abraham really resonates with him. All right, so here, um, speaking of these these men, these angels that appeared to Abraham, he says, the third angel remained, him like the other two, Abraham regarded as a human being, but as such a one in whom this was the Spirit of God, right? And so then from there on out, he refers to him as the Lord, as we see in our text. For he saw that this this angel had the word of God, and he concluded that this angel was speaking the word of God, not that of a human being. For this reason, Abraham also worshipped him as God. Therefore, the statement of the text, he stood still before the Lord, is the same as if he stated, Abraham listened to and looked upon this third angel as upon God, because he knew that this angel had the word of God. These words have reference to the high office of the ministry, which, although it is still unclear, so to speak, the holy patriarchs supported with such great zeal. But we, who have the light at its brightest, add even insults, yes, also sword and hunger. In this way, we kill off the ministers of the gospel. Right Now, let us hear Abraham's prayer, which is indeed an awful one if you consider the outcome. Abraham formulated his prayer with the utmost prudence. He satisfied with a small number. He was satisfied with a small number because he thinks that he will all the more easily get what he wanted. But it is horrible that not ten righteous men are found in these five cities. Here we are saying nothing about the children. They are being preserved in a manner which is unknown to us, as is proved by the passage in Jonah about those who do not know the difference between right, the right and the left, Jonah 4.11. But the adults were so corrupt that not ten were righteous, nor did they pollute themselves solely with those ordinary sins, drunkenness, thieving, adultery, and avarice. The chief sins were contempt of the word, of the officials of the state, and of parents, then the abuse of the saints, and exultation in the most wicked enterprises. Therefore, consider these three facts. The short time during which they deteriorated to such an extent, the large number of those who were sinning, and the seriousness of their sins, and you will declare that God's judgment, even though most awful, nevertheless was just. For Abraham, it is indeed impossible to believe that all are corrupt to the same extent. He thought that at least among the officials of the government and in the council of the kings, there could be found some honorable and God-fearing men. For the individual cities had their own kings. Moreover, each king had his own senate. It is unbelievable that not ten pious men are found among these. Accordingly, Abraham pleads with such great confidence, and although he is disappointed once, he does not stop, so ardent is his love for for very wicked people. The 11th chapter of Genesis informs us about the church of this time at which Sodom perished. Six patriarchs were then living, Shem, uh, Arphaxed, Salah, Eber, and Serug. And because Abraham lived almost 50 years together with Noah and saw nine patriarchs, he had most excellent teachers. But Noah died about 40 years before the destruction of Sodom. Since he had seen the previous age, the age before the flood, He was also known to the people of Sodom, who saw and heard him as he, together with his descendants, preached and cried out concerning the flood and the wrath of God. Nevertheless, they despised him and his offspring. For this reason, I believe that at the same time there was a church, the like of which did not subsequently exist upon um, the earth up until the time of Christ. All right, so Luther's doing some work here with the genealogies and saying, look, Sodom had warning. He, they had warning from Noah <laughs> and, and the, those who followed Noah, Shem, Ham, etc. They should have known better. But it is terrible that in this golden age, when so many patriarchs were living and teaching, 
And when Shem himself was upholding the ministry of the word in the neighborhood of Jerusalem, the people of Sodom degenerated to such an extent and abandoned all fear and knowledge of God. Why then are we complaining about our age? Um, when this happened to so many and to such distinguished patriarchs? Therefore, let us put up with these dregs of the world and with such extraordinary ingratitude and contempt, for we are not worthy of being compared to the saintly patriarchs. Yet they too were compelled to see so awful and hideous an example of the wrath of God, and their persistent prayers had no effect whatsoever. All right, now I said I thought it pertained um, to our contemporary setting. Um, Does it not? I mean, uh, I'm really... um, disgusted, I think, and contempt, uh, those are good words, with God um, as to the behavior of not not the nations across the sea, but our own nation, and its hatred of its own um, people, its removal of um, an inalienable right of the redress of grievances and, and, and speech, um, these things that God have, have privileged us with um, in his word and then in civil, civil life, um, the way that neighbor is treating neighbor um, it's not only disgusting, but it, I, but it causes me to grieve, right? And uh, who's who? I mean, thanks be to God, I believe there's more than ten faithful here. But um, uh, as we can see from the example of Sodom and Gomorrah, how easily it is that uh, folks get caught up in the depravity that they're surrounded by, so that even those who are righteous fall into great uh, trespass and sin. But who will doubt that those six patriarchs tried most zealously to call back to the right way the multitude that was rushing to its destruction? Lot lived in Sodom itself. Shem and Melchizedek, or Melchizedek lived in neighboring Jerusalem. Abraham lived in Mamre, and others lived in other places, but those places were in the neighborhood. These men undoubtedly sent preachers to the people of Sodom, preachers who exhorted them to repent and reprove them. But everything was in vain. Where the word is not held in reverence, but is despised, there Shem and Abraham teach in vain, and nothing else is to be expected than destruction and flood. Mm. From this one can gauge the greatness of God's wrath against sin. If these saintly and God-pleasing men were unable to avert the punishment by means of their intercession, what could we hope for in this advanced age of the world? Remember, therefore, that at this very time when the church was in its most flourishing state and had the saintliest and most faithful teachers, the world was at its worst. Satan is in the habit of marring the church in this manner by scandals, which the uninformed attribute to the word. By the same reasoning, however, the destruction of Sodom should be attributed to Lot, Abraham, and Melchizedek, for these men were the outstanding teachers of the age. And that not that seem so um, relevant? This is from Luther's works. Um, I believe it's volume. Which volume is this? Um, it's on Genesis 18. So I want to say it's volume three. All right, volume three. All right, but to the prayer. <laughs> Abraham's prayer has six parts. All right, so you can see this up on the screen. All right, you see the six. We'll see. Uh, try to get it all in the. Dun, 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 dun. All right, here we go. Put the whole prayer in from the screen. Abraham's prayer has six parts. He makes his request six times with such fervor and driving emotion because of his excessive anxiety, since he desires advice for the wretched cities. He seems to be speaking foolishly. Um, The word, which is, uh, I'm trying to think, the word for destroy, which is 
Pada, I believe, yeah, is very significant and forceful, if I may express it in this way, for it means to snatch away in such a manner that you let nothing remain, so to utterly destroy. Hence, if you were to weigh the words, it is a foolish prayer, as though God did not know how to make a distinction between the just and the unjust. Quote, do you want to snatch away a righteous man together with the one who is godless, he asks, and rage indiscriminately against all after the fashion of brigands? It seems to be a stern prayer, but it is most praiseworthy it is a most praiseworthy one if it is judged according to Abraham's heart. For he sees that it is impossible for God not to have regard for the righteous. Therefore Abraham prays as David did in Psalm twenty six O God, do not destroy my soul together with the ungodly. For this is characteristic of tyrants. In order to indulge their wrath, they burn houses, villages, and towns without caring whether the just or the unjust perish. Such cruelty, says Abraham, I know, does not befit God. Therefore, he will spare the entire people because of fifty pious men. It is Abraham's great, very great emotion and his consternation, so to speak, which impel him to say foolish things. For the emotion of his heart is greater than his heart can hold, because the saintly man sees that the entire people is to be destroyed. It is a forceful and impulsive prayer, as if Abraham wanted to compel God to forgive. Surely it is well known that because of one righteous man, God spares and shows kindness to an entire house, city, or region. Thus, Syria flourished while Naaman was living. Egypt is blessed because of Joseph, and Laban is blessed because of Jacob. And would God really forget himself to such an extent that he would have no regard for fifty righteous men? O Lord, Lord, do not do it. These are the words indicative of the vastness of Abraham's emotion. At the same time, tears streamed from his eyes and his heart overflowed with unutterable sighs. Far be it, be this from thee, he says, as though he wanted to tell God what he should do, just as he adds, will not he who judges the entire earth do what is right? To do what is right means to punish evildoers and spare the innocent. And this, he says, behooves thee especially. Thou judgest the entire earth. But what sort of right is it to bring even innocent people to trial? This is surely a bold and impulsive request. Abraham reminds God of his duty to spare the righteous and, because of the righteous, even the wicked. Accordingly, the Lord answers and promises that he will have mercy if there are fifty righteous men, for he is pleased with the fervent prayer in which faith and love are so manifest. But when Abraham hears that fifty are not found, he is somewhat frightened. Nevertheless, he continues to pray. All right. Um, I, I can't help but in Abraham think of really what ought to be our prayers <clears throat> as Christians uh, for the people of Ukraine, of Russia, of our own nation, right? That the Lord would spare us and spare them of the destruction, the wrath that we surely deserve because of our sins, but because of um, Christ, because of the forgiveness that we have in him, right? And that's why I believe, uh, and I've stated as much on Facebook, you've seen it elsewhere, um, that it is morally abhorrent it is utterly inconsciable, incomprehensible, we'll just say that, um, that our nation and the nations of the world um, are treating those, in particular in Russia, right, um, on beha- the way that we're treating them as a nation because of the actions of their leaders. Um, to deprive people of their, their livelihood, their well-being, um, because we want them perhaps to punish their, their leaders. I don't, I don't even know um, what we're hoping to accomplish, um, you know, to use what we call cancel culture on a whole nation. Uh, it's bad enough when it's done against one. I still think it's a, as immoral and abhorrent when it's done against just one person. 
to cancel them, to take away their freedom of speech and their um, right um, to property and to livelihood uh, because we don't like what they say or what they represent. To do that to a whole nation, um, God will judge us. Um, And our prayer should be that of Abraham, that God would spare the judgment um, for the sake of his righteousness, that namely for the sake of his son and for those faithful Christians who are praying on behalf of their nation in Ukraine, in Russia, here, um, that he spare us of the disaster that um, that really our leaders are making for us right, by their own immoral and unjust actions. All right, so um, intercessory prayer, a prayer of lament um, for our own wickedness, our own complicity in this. Uh, it's also hold, I think it's hard for us to hold to bear responsibility for our elected leaders when we didn't actually even elect them. Um, you know, when, when they are um, not elected, but uh, selected, you know, by people behind closed doors and using um, illegal activities um, to put them into office. Uh, anyway, um, so like Abraham, we pray, you know, for the sake of 10, do not destroy it, right? So for the sake of 10, do not destroy us, do not destroy uh, Ukraine. Do not destroy Russia for the sake of 10 righteous. All right. P- plenty to lament about, isn't there? We'll do more of that tonight. I know it's a little bit of a downer, but of course it's Lent. Uh, it's part of what we do during Lent. Um, but I think we've since we've lost that ability to lament, we come off just sounding kind of complaint, like we're complaining because we're not actually addressing the real source, the real cause, which is the sin in our own hearts. All right, let's confess our catechism for this week, table of duties to hearers of God's word. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14. Anyone who receives instruction from the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Galatians 6, verses 6 through 7. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 through 18. We pray, O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength by your mighty power. Defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for marriage and family. That husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. For parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods, let us pray to the Lord. We pray today for Paige, Carter, Ashton, Kaylee, and Aaliyah, who all celebrate their birthday. We pray for our households, that of Jerome, Linda, and Monty, Joshua, Eugene, and Pastor and Anne. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Janice, Norm, Merlin, Jim, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for all the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Camp Luisimo. We pray for um, all of our enemies and the persecutors, not only of us physically, but especially of the church. And we pray with those grieving, especially the family and friends of Ken Nimmer. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. I'm sure there's no commemoration today? No? All right. We continue with prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing the last stanza today, um, which mm, I think fits well. So I got to cut it a little bit short. Uh, I got some other things to do. And uh, we're getting new windows up here. And they want to be able to put in uh, a new window in my office, which is nice since only half of my window works. And in the summer, I can't put an AC unit in. Um, this way, it'll be a sash window. So I'll be able to put in a window AC. Uh, so it'll be more pleasant in my office in the summer. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, we did daily prayers last summer. Sometimes I was a little bit uh, grumpy about how hot it was in here. So we're taking care of that. All right. Uh, Lord be with you all and uh, keep you safe. Um, Pray. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our country. Pray for those um, 
who are in harm's way. Pray for those even who are enemies, who are aggressors. Uh, pray for those um, who, um, well, for, for the righteous, for those who are faithful, that God would spare us of the disasters that are happening around us um, for the sake of faith in Christ and the proclamation of the gospel. All right. So Lord be with you all. And uh, we'll see you this uh, this evening for uh, dinner at six and uh, or six to six forty five, and uh, for uh, divine service or not divine service vespers right at seven p.m. Oh, by the way, um, there is an open house here at school. I think from oh I don't know when is it five to seven? Yeah, five to seven. So if you get here a little bit early or if you get done with dinner, come over uh, check out the school at uh, the open house that we're having. All right, Lord's blessings to you all. We'll see you soon. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church, Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.